Hi everyone, welcome back to College of Mothering. Today I have Nikki Truzel on the podcast um, in part two of our conversation to talk about how we can give our children a firm faith foundation that they need and also how to raise our kids in what she calls a family culture. If you have not already watched part one, I encourage you to do that. Um, that is where, that's the episode where she talks about uh, how we can be intentional as moms and also how we can uh, use those ordinary um, and everyday moments of motherhood and turn them into special moments. I know that you're going to love part two of our conversation, but before we get into that, please subscribe to my channel and also ring that notifications bell so that you know anytime I upload a new video. Um, and you shared just a little while ago how you were able to homeschool um, as a single mom, and you say that anyone can homeschool, and that is the title of your book. Can you tell us a little bit about about uh, how what you wrote um, and why you wrote it? Yes. Um, well, the title came from actually saying that a lot to people when they asked me about their situation, um, or they would say, I can't do it because of you know, fill in the blank, mm -hmm. whether they were single or had a special needs child or didn't have the money. Um, maybe it's a one income family, which a lot of us surprisingly are. Yes. Um, and so I just kept saying, actually, anyone can do this. And, and I would try to share how, you know, and the first chapter of the book is called Rethinking School. And that's because anyone can homeschool if they throw out that public school notion. Like I said earlier, if you stop trying to be a public school in your living room, then you'll see that anyone can homeschool because it's not an exact replica of the public school. It's being a parent and having school books at your house, you know, and not just at your house. You know, there's so many options now for homeschoolers to go to co-op classes or have a tutor or a hybrid, you know, with two days a week where you go to classes online school. There, there are just too many options for anyone to say they can't do it anymore. And I learned this, you know, as a single mom, I learned the hard way. And I like to tell people I wasn't planning to write a book about this, but I had to learn through trial and error as a single mom that it is possible and that you just keep going. And so I learned about how kids don't have to be behind because the state doesn't get to determine mostly what we do. I live, you and I both live in some awesome homeschooling states, but even in a state with some regulations about what you teach and when and passing tests, there's so much freedom as a homeschool parent to still choose your methods and your schedule, um, your days and your nights and your weekends. And so, you know, I, I learned that we didn't have to have school Monday through Friday from eight to three, as long as we were doing it every time we could, you know, so it might be every evening, it might be one long day and two short days a week, or it might be weekends, or it might be all of that, depending on what your life looks like. Um, it can be very random. It doesn't have to be regimented as long as it's always progressing. And that's the key is that your kids are always moving forward. Um, I have a very popular blog post about how it doesn't take 12 years to educate a child. And I learned that too, through a lot of trial and error over the, some difficult years in our family. 
um, when maybe we didn't have money for a certain level of curriculum or I was on bed rest um, or I was working part-time or full-time and our school schedule just didn't look like it used to. But I also learned about how starting late is sometimes beneficial for kids in certain subjects and how you don't need 12 years of grammar or science, you know, and there's a lot of busy work at public school. There's so much to understand about how education happens in America today and um, oppose it, how, how homeschooling is so different from that. And in your book, um, Bucking the System, you went into some of that too. And not only their methods um, are not worth copying, but the ideologies behind those methods, that's just something we don't want to be a part of. And so again, I say, if you've chosen to homeschool, stick with that reason and then ask yourself, if this reason has caused me to homeschool, why am I still worried about what they're doing? You know, that system Mm -hmm. doesn't work for us. So why am I worried about copying it? And that's really the key to homeschooling as a single parent is thinking outside the system, um, not trying to copy the public school and realizing that you have what it takes. It just doesn't, it's not going to look like what you think. It's not going to look the same as everybody. It, it may not even look the same as the homeschoolers, you know, at your co-op or at your right. church. And that's okay because families are all different. And so family homeschools can all be mm-hmm. different too. Yeah. That's something that I've had to learn over the years that our homeschool doesn't look like anybody else's and that's okay. You know, it's not that we're doing something wrong. Um, it's not that, no. that the other family is doing something wrong. It's just that we're, we're doing what's best what works the best for our, uh, our individual families. And so um, I think it's easy to compare uh, yourself to other homeschool families and think, well, they look like they have it all together and, you know, they're doing wonderfully and their kids are perfect (laughs) and their house is clean. You know, how did they do it? What am I doing wrong? Too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And some families do operate that way. You know, there are families who, where every kid is super well behaved and the house is always clean and meals are on time and they are excelling in every subject. And there are families where some of that's happening and some of it's not. And then there are families where none of that's happening, but they're always moving forward. You know, they're always moving ahead and continuing the educational process. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, I think within the homeschool world, one of the hardest things to deal with is other homeschoolers who tell you, oh, you're not doing it right because you're not doing it this way. Um, It's it's one thing to hear non-homeschoolers judge you and tell you, oh, that's stupid or you can't do it that way because we know stuff they don't know. You know, we've already figured out some things that they they aren't aware of. But inside the homeschool community, it can be tough when a homeschooler says, that's not how you're supposed to do it. And so if you hear that, don't don't fret, don't compare, and um, don't beat yourself up because that person just needs to learn that there are other ways. They may not have been through what you've been through. I know people who had not been through what I've been through, and so they just don't know. They have no Mm -hmm. idea what they're talking about. Let it go and uh, write them off as a little bit uninformed. (laughs) That's good. And don't be that person. (laughs) Yeah. you talk a lot on your blog, and um, I'm sure in the book about uh, a biblical worldview, and um, that's something that's you know on your heart a lot, and you share that 
through your posts on social media, um, why is it so crucial that we equip our kids with a biblical worldview? Um, it affects everything. <laughs> it affects everything. And, and the more connected our world is through the internet where, you know, we have information at our fingertips about everything possible, the more our kids need this biblical worldview to be able to sift through the information that's out there. And I tell you, even, I mean, with the internet, parenting has changed a lot <laughs> and, and it feels like it's changing daily. You know, even from the time that my older daughters were still teenagers, um, to now with the teenagers I'm raising currently, it's still different. It still changes every day so fast that I feel like I can't keep up. But the internet um, is bringing the entire world into our homes and it is full of worldviews, all kinds of worldviews, and it's affecting our kids. And so we've got to, we've got to be proactive, first of all, to give our kids a worldview that, uh, that, talks about um, life and health and science and politics and other world religions. There, there's so much that comes back to a worldview, political movements, um, the way we eat and take medicine and the way we care for our gardens and the way we view the animal kingdom. Every time something comes up like that, I try to tell my children, you know, this is a worldview issue. What does the Bible say about this? And so um, it's something that's super important. I think it's always been important, but because of the information age we live in, it's more important than ever for our kids to know how to know what a biblical worldview is and how to apply it to everything we see. And I'll, I'll say that a lot of adults still don't understand this because a lot of people were not raised to think this way. Um, and even though I was homeschooled, I, my mom didn't ever use the word worldview, but what my parents did was to read the Bible with us every day. And we memorized portions of scripture, Old and New Testament, and committed them to memory. And if you do nothing else, that is a worldview education right there. But to go even further, you know, read, memorize, discuss, and then apply those things. And, and, and it's amazing how um, transformative it is when, when you look at every, everything in the world around you, whether it's a discussion with friends or something on the news or something that some YouTuber said. I mean, that's huge. You've got you've to prepare your kids before they start listening to YouTubers and podcasters because there are a thousand opinions out there and they are not all biblical. And so because of uh, the age we live in, a biblical worldview is very necessary from very early ages. Yeah. Um, I think before I started calling it a biblical worldview, I was trying to teach that to my children. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the first uh, people I heard to put a name to it was Josh McDowell. Um, okay. at a, at a, a, he was speaking to a group of uh, parents um, at a, a Christian school um, meeting. And I was, I was, it was actually a fundraiser. And he was saying um, how important it is for our students to, and our children to know um, what, to know how to see the world, to know how their mm -hmm. faith um, informs, you know, everything, basically every part of their lives, every aspect 
Um, and that was back in 2013. So wow. yeah, a little more than 10 years ago. And he was, he was spot on. Uh, yeah, he yeah. was, he was correct in saying that, you know, you need to show, uh, you need to teach your children, uh, they need to be taught, um, how to see things through a biblical lens. Right. And you can't do that without reading the Bible and knowing right. it. And there's, uh, there are quite a few studies done on this, but there's Ken Ham often will share these studies, but I'm trying to remember who did them. Um, but there is a recent study out that says of Christians, the Christians who have an actual biblical worldview are a very small minority. And so that's, I mean, we don't expect the world to have a biblical worldview, but we kind of expect Christians to, but that's why I'm saying a lot of parents may not understand what this is or have ever been taught it. Uh, I, I have so many people who message me and say, I was raised in a Christian home, but we never read the Bible. And so of course they don't have a biblical worldview. And that's something that this generation of parents can change right now. You know, start right now today, even if you have not ever done Bible study or read it out loud to your kids, start today. Yeah. Just open it up and start reading book by book through the scriptures and, and what you don't know, look up the answers and, and help your kids through it. But don't waste another minute just because you were not taught this. Um, it's that imperative. And it's, it's sad to me that we've had generations go by where even Christians were not teaching this to their children, but we have no excuse not to, you know, to let it continue. Yeah. It's up to us. Yeah, it is. Um, and besides a faith foundation, what would you say is the most important thing we can give our kids? I am going to say um, a strong history education. Um, and I'm glad that you phrased it that way because I would absolutely put their faith first. Their, that biblical worldview is absolutely first. Um, and this is my personal opinion on history, but I think a lot of people would agree with me that um, history does repeat itself, even though we don't always want it to. But if we understand history and, and have a pretty good foundation in that, we actually can affect the future. We can make a difference in the world right now and for future generations. Um, American history is full of examples of that and world history too. But when you look at the different time periods where people um, sacrificed for a cause that they felt was right and they, they didn't waver. They, they were bold and they were confident and they trusted in God for whatever the cause, um, they made a change. And I think that's one of the most important things out of so many stories from history that our kids can learn is that there were real people making all these stories and events happen and they, you know, they got up in the morning and they ate breakfast and they talked to their family. So they, they, they were just like us, but then they also would make decisions that were world changing. And it's important for our kids to have that perspective and to understand the history is not just something in a textbook, but it was real people with real feelings and real desires and, and fears, despite what they were doing. Um, and martyrs and and world leaders and you know all of it to understand history to know the people that that made it and to understand why they did the things they did good or bad 
um, it's so important. And I think it helps our kids to see the world more than just in their own bubble, you know, where they live right now, but to say, I'm part of an ongoing story and and what part am I going to play in it? What part does God want me to play in this story? And then also how can I prevent the horrors of history from happening? What thing big or small can I do? How can I make a difference? You know, and, and back to the original conversation about mothers, mothers affect history in, in many ways. I mean, like we said, we are shaping people. And so whether we shape more mothers who shape more mothers and shape more mothers, or we shape young men and women who invent or, or speak a word that changes history or whatever it is, it's very important that they understand and, and I think enjoy history um, so that they see the importance of what they're doing right now in the lens of the past. Yeah, that's that's really important. I love that you said that mothers affect history, and they do. I've, I've talked about that and posted, um, shared about that. It's a little controversial right now, I think, because of, you know, we hear the word nationalism, <laughs> and we think, you know, yeah. mothers raising children, and, you know, that, and that, you know, because we have one view of uh, how mothers are supposed to um, raise up a nation or affect a nation, uh, but they can do mm-hmm. that in many ways. And it, it's not uh, just, yeah. you know, homeschooling, um, but right. but we can be, um, we can be agents of, of change in a way. We can be intentional when we are intentional with our children, we can, um, we can teach them so many things. Uh, we can lead them and guide them and tell them about, you know, the world and all the things that they need to know and, and give them the tools to uh, help them, yeah. uh, you know, to soar and to, to do the things that God has created them to do. And so, Whatever that is. yes. And, that, and I wanted to also touch on a family culture, which is something that you also um, have mentioned a lot. Um, in, on you had a lot of about that. <laughs> um, you talk about a family culture as opposed to a career culture. So this is something I have been struggling to put into words a lot lately, um, but it's on my mind. It's been on my mind for quite a while. So what I see, and, and this comes out of my 40 years in the homeschooling movement, you know, I, I can't remember if I told you that earlier, but in 1983 is when I became a homeschool student. And so um, over this time, I've seen a lot of things in the homeschool movement. And one thing that kind of concerns me is um, daughters being homeschooled, but still afterwards going into college to get a degree for a career. Now, I'm not totally anti-college. I'm pretty picky about college, but I don't think it's wrong. I don't think college is a sin or careers are bad or anything like that. But what I'm seeing is, um, yes, we're going to homeschool our children because we think it's a better option than public school. And then, especially with daughters, sending them to college to go ahead and get the degree and pursue a career. Well, very often what I see is they go ahead and do that. The daughters grow up and they pursue a career. And then when they have children, they are now career people. And it's very hard to flip that, um, especially when their parents encouraged the whole thing. And so 
what I mean by that, and this is very, very offensive to a lot of people, but I just want them and want people to hear my heart. If we want our kids to follow in the footsteps that we have started, we have taken them out of the public school system, which is a big chunk of taking them out of the world. It's not complete, but it's one of the best ways to remove your kids from, from world and a secular society. But then we don't encourage that when they grow up and have kids. What have we done? What kind of influence are we having? I absolutely want my grandchildren to follow in the same steps. I absolutely don't want them in public school. And so I don't want to encourage my daughters to have a career that they feel that they can't give up because they need two incomes to live on or, hey, we spent all this money on this college education. Now I don't want to waste it. You know, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and the same can be said of our sons too, raising them to focus on career and focus on having a, a large income and, um, and all of that comes, you know, it's the American way, yeah. isn't it? And so our kids are encouraged to get the, the career, have the degree, buy the big house, have, you know, two vacations a year to Disney world and on and on and on. And we're, where did we teach them about raising children at home? Everything that you and I've talked about in this podcast are we teaching our kids that we may be modeling that, but are we encouraging them? Here's what you can do. Can we encourage entrepreneurship? Can we encourage mothers um, working in the home in there are a thousand different ways that that's done even now. Um, maybe not taking on college debt. There's so many different options. If we want to encourage our children to grow up and have a family culture. And so a family culture to me is where the, the home is the center and not the career um, women finding themselves out in the world somewhere. Um, because everything you write agrees with this too, that motherhood is the central goal for women. As offensive as that might be, it is. If we were given children, then motherhood is our mm -hmm. first job. It's our ministry. It is our career. And everything else is secondary but are we raising our children to believe that too? And so not only are we going to model it right now with our kids at home, but as our teenagers grow up and become young adults, I think we need to encourage them in a direction that doesn't say, yeah, you still need to have the degree to fall back on, or you, you got to have this career just in case, um, you know, financial security isn't everything, <laughs> believe it or not. Eternal security for our children is, and there's so much, that can be achieved without that college degree and without sacrificing the grandchildren, you know, our future grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And so I hope I was able to make that clear. It's, yes. it's a really hard concept to get across in the homeschool world, but <coughs> excuse me, it's something I see a lot and it concerns me. Yeah, no, I think you put it really perfectly. Um, you know, our sons and our daughters need to have um, a long-term vision they need to yes. um, have uh, need to understand um, and be looking um, have an internal perspective, um, and that's mm -hmm. what we need to have as we raise our families and as we mother, and not to be so focused on academics and in the career, um, which right. you know academics are certainly important, and we want to do that with excellence yeah. as we homeschool. Um, but I've as I've said to other moms. Um, Academics can't come at the expense of character Absolutely. and at the expense of your children's hearts. So you need to yes. put the main thing, the main thing. 
that's the other thing I see happening in homeschooling a lot is that we're so focused on making sure we, you know, cross everything off the list and have the perfect transcript and get the perfect college degree, you know, get a scholarship, have all the volunteer opportunities. And those are all great. I, you know, I'm not trying to put those down, but if that is at the top of our list and the, their hearts are not, and their, their salvation and their biblical worldview are not at the top of the list, then I am not sure what homeschooling is all about Mm -hmm. if that's not the goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so wrapping up, where can people find you and where can they get a copy of your awesome book? Okay. Well, I'm at NikkiTruesdale.com and my book is there on my website in the shop, but it's also on Amazon, Kindle and Audible. So any way you read or listen, it's there. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter under my name. So I'm pretty easy to find. And, um, I guess, oh, and Knowledge Keepers Bookstore. That's where I print my out-of-print history books. So I just go, I have a long list that I'm trying to bring back into print of things that I feel like are important for our, our people to read that have gone out of print, but they're such good stories, true stories, diaries, and firsthand accounts. And so all of that is at knowledgekeepersbookstore.com. And Knowledge Keepers also has an Instagram and a Facebook so I'm all, I'm all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've printed um, some great titles. <laughs> so I put some uh, great uh, biographies and other things back in print, which I think is really important. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for what you do with, with that, bringing, you know, the his, old history, uh, the stories that are important, uh, maybe forgotten about back to life. And thank you for, you know, for blogging and encouraging moms and homeschoolers And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I just want to say the same to you. I've always enjoyed everything you write. So I I think we're mutual fans of each other. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you so much. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah. Thank you, Nikki. I hope that you were encouraged by part two of my conversation with Nikki. I encourage you to watch part one in which she shares about how we can be intentional as moms and also use those ordinary moments during the day. Um, for uh, to turn them into special moments with our kids. Thank you so much for watching. And remember, you are not just a mom. 